Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and I am on the phone with Alex Schieferdecker in Philadelphia. How are you, man? Good. Good. How are you? How is uh Super Bowl crazed Minneapolis St. Paul working out? Um I as far as I see, I don't see anything but i do see it is gonna get really cold this weekend i think on thursday it gets down to seven it's gonna be like 11 7 11 you know basically in the that kind of range uh for the weekend i haven't seen what super bowl sunday is gonna be like which gives me joy i hope there's just like eight feet of snow and there's just apocalypse uh yeah i i mean i'm i'm just i I was in texas this weekend so i'm kind of i'm just getting back and getting myself uh resituated so uh who knows at this point but um i'm avoiding minneapolis at all costs and uh i I have friends who who work downtown who um they they the business council kind of recommended that everyone give their companies off down uh everyone who works downtown give them off on friday just because it's going to be a mess so you know uh everyone's surviving the way they can yeah yeah so um it's you and me again i haven't been bringing on other guests just because over this kind of off-season break there's not a ton going on and um, i'm using that time to kind of get uh, the book done and so i'm not the the ability to kind of plan ahead uh, for guests uh is is you know hindered but as we uh, start ramping back up to the season obviously we'll bring some of these people back on some of our friends uh but thank you at least for for uh holding up the ship with me holding up the ship is that the expression it's probably not no. holding up the fort yeah there we go um holding the fort whatever damn okay it was a family uh drama and dr- drinking time this weekend so I'm i'm doing my best to recover um, on this podcast, uh, we've got Miami finally announces that they're going to announce something. We've got uh, U.S. men's national team uh, just diddles themselves, just just diddling themselves uh, on the on the field, uh, not not with any you know spirit or vigor. Uh, and then we've got uh, Minnesota United uh, rumors and <laughs> nothing more, uh, and a whole lot of questions. So. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really selling it right now, am I? Uh, <laughs> It'll be okay. a real barn burner of a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, uh, let's take a break uh, with big quarters playing, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll start with uh, with the big David Beckham uh, Miami Sound Explosion. <laughs> Okay, here it is, Alex. I, I bet you were glued to the feed while you were at work. You were like, "Guys, guys, give me a minute. I gotta watch this." David Beckham and uh, his associated uh, henchmen, uh, you know, they got together and they made an announcement that was very eerily similar to all the previous announcements they've made. That they will sometime make an announcement, but um, Miami is happening. It seems it finally. They're entering the the league, and uh, they're going to be in the league in 2020, and probably play in a uh, a temporary venue that first year. So, uh, w- what are your thoughts? Do you have any on this? Well, our long national nightmare is finally over. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I thought, you know, I had, I had, silly me, I had thought that they had already announced Miami like three years ago. Uh, but apparently they were just at that time announcing the intention to try to be in Miami. And then of course they had about 15 stadium sites rejected and ended up finding a neighborhood too poor to organize against it. And, uh, and then they even then had a struggle to get that in place. And now it seems like they finally have everything in place. They have an ownership group with enough money. They have a stadium site. They have a stadium design. Oh, they are going to join the league in 2020. Where there's, I look forward to rooting very strongly against them. Yeah. And, um, so I, from, from that, um, the, we all know it's going to be Miami United. I know that everyone wants it to be like Miami Vice or Club Miami, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, it's going to be Miami United International City or something like that. Uh, um, but I, I I, started then to think about how much I'm going to hate this team. I, I am not a fan of Florida. I've, I've said that many times on this podcast. Uh, I'm not a fan of Miami. Uh, it, it is... Um, uh, I've only been there once, but I have a lot of what I assume are extremely right stereotypes about it. And so uh, I'm just going <laughs> to cling to those and, and, and uh, I hate Miami. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm started to put together my like power rankings of MLS uh, hate. And obviously on top of that, NYCFC. Uh, you know, just, just goes New York hatred plus, you know, big Yankees thing, uh, you know, oil money, uh, ties to evil human rights violations, just the whole game, Frank Lampard. They do have Patrick Vieira, who is one of my favorites of all time, but that's not enough to, to overcome it. Uh, then I, I put Miami at, at first at number two, but I realized I, I still think that they're just silly right now, and I, I I think they will eventually become number two. But if I'm going to be honest, it's it's uh it's Atlanta. I, I hate them. I hate their faces. Uh, I hate everything about them. So um, good. There they, there they are. And then I I then put like uh, I started to think about eventually Dom Dwyer's going to be on this, and then I was like, oh yeah, you know what, Anthony Precourt, he's number three for me. Uh, number four is actually Miami, although I think I'm just, I think, I think I'm lying to myself. I don't even think they're on there yet. Number five, obviously Dom Dwyer want to punch his face. Um, number six, uh, Seattle and, uh, and someone said maybe Toronto, but I think number seven is just Kurt Larson, that Toronto sun guy. Who's a total douchey bro. Uh, the, the, uh, tabloid writer who just writes literal <laughs> fake news. Like he writes things that are like, that's not real. It's been proven wrong anyway. So that's my, that's my seven. I don't, I don't know if you have it. Do you, where do you, how does your well, rank? So go? I'm conflicted on your first two. First of all, obviously I'm, I'm from New York, but yeah, I know, you know, uh, NYCFC, they're owned by uh, a serial human rights abuser someone whose wealth is like just ripping off an entire country. And yet they do play really nice soccer. I enjoy watching them play. So, you know, I'm conflicted about that one. They've got Mac the Knife, Tommy McNamara playing for them. They, yeah. they, they're good things, but it doesn't, doesn't really 
weight the scales properly for me. So I, yeah, I, I feel that you know Patrick Vieira is is a strong pull for me, but I want them to die. And, and Atlanta are similar, you know. Atlanta play really well too. I think Atlanta as a city kind of sucks, and I don't like their fans. But they play nice soccer. To me, the top of the list is 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 um, Eric Hurtado, <laughs> and number number two on the list. <laughs> Is Orlando City. We haven't even I, talked about Eric Hurtado in so long. We've been doing I, I so well. Never, yeah, I will never get tired of watching Orlando City lose. Yeah. Um, and their fans are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're good at supporting their team. They're just insufferable. Yeah. Um, so and for like me, Eric dumb Hurtado, racists, too. Number, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so for me, Eric Hurtado, number one. Yeah. Orlando, number two. The, the, thing, the thing that gets me about Orlando is that it's not, their name is Orlando City, but Orlando is a city in the loosest possible sense of the word. It's like, it's like barely a city. It, it really should be Orlando suburb SC because it is, it is a suburb without any of the things that most of us would consider city-like. Anyway, I think I'm only going to get to two on the list. You know, one more thing about Miami. Miami, the city of Miami does suck. Well, Miami Beach is really fun. Just going to say that. Um, you know, and, and someone someone pointed out to me uh, talking about Atlanta. The things that are so bad about Atlanta are like even like the the attitude of like we're awesome is not doesn't even come from Atlanta United themselves. Like they they're like for example the, there was the um uh, who's the Sports Illustrated guy Luis. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his last name. Anyway, he tweets out that, oh, yeah, Miami seemed like they're going to do the Atlanta style of, you know, really developing roots with the community. And it's just like every every owner says that they're going to develop roots and try to get homegrown. Yeah. It's like literally every owner has said that. And Atlanta, you know, the, the Andrew Carlton thing, that, but but even Atlanta is not like, it just seems like. It's more actually how media talk about Atlanta, even as if just like yeah. no one really. Do you guys just think that no one ever did these things before? It, it was very weird. And some things about that Atlanta have done, I think, have been fantastic. We talked last year about how much better their marketing campaign was and how much more clever it was, and just how they actually literally did try to get out in the community and, and build buzz. Uh, so, uh, but I still hate them and I want them to die. So, um, let's move, let's move on to, uh, us men's national team. Uh, speaking of wanting to die, um, uh, more as a, a self-harm thing. Uh, <laughs> last night, uh, Sunday night, uh, the U S men's national team faced off against, uh, Bosnia Herzegovina in, uh, Carson, California. And Christian Ramirez was not in the 18. Um, I don't know. What do you... What should we say about this game? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I took one look at the starting lineup and was like, eh, I'm not tuning into that. Um, I mean, what's so frustrating is that this is like Dave Sarakin playing with house money. Like nobody, nobody expects him to be the coach of this team long term, and. So I'm sure he would love to be the coach of this team long term. So what's the one way that he could enter his name into the conversation 
to take over this team? And the answer is send out a team that's young and plays really ambitious soccer in this game. This is his one chance, or this is one of his only chances. I mean, he did against Portugal, against Portugal. You know, he did put out a lot of young guys, and and this game put did have team. you know it had Will Trap. Uh, um, Ty, uh, Tyler Adams, Christian Roldan, uh, it had young guys if, in it. If, if you look at who was called into the camp, this is like the oldest, most conservative team he could have picked. There were, and, and what if he could have picked 11 Jossie Zardeses? Yeah, he would have that tried. M- I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Zardes is the poster child for this because he has 30, he has almost 40 caps. We know what he offers. He's not young anymore. He is. He's four years removed from that season in which he had Robbie Keane on his right and Landon Donovan on his left. And he was, and he scored 16 goals because those two sucked up so much attention that he was always open. He has not, he has in the last three years scored 15 goals. Yeah. And he has been, he, he was given the opportunity to be the lead striker for that team. And he was so bad for L.A. last year, the worst team in the league, that he was demoted to a fullback. Yeah. And yet he's starting on the wing for the national team? Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's, I mean, I mean there's... This was, a, this was an opportunity to take risks. This was an opportunity to try new things. We know what Giazzi's artist offers. We know what Jordan Morris offers. Yeah. I, Why? I, I think that there are like a, a few different issues there. Um, some parts of the the squad I, I, I have no problem with. I think Jossie's artist is a very easy thing to point to. And uh, I, I th- he might be too much of a scapegoat. I think the, the backlash against him is maybe a bit rough. But he, he's just, he's not of that quality. We've seen for a long time he's not at that quality. As you're saying, we know what he can do. And a lot of that is have a bad first touch. Um you know, I, I don't have too much of a problem in this game starting CJ Sapong as they did. I don't know why he's called in as a 29-year-old. I like Sapong. He's good. Yeah, and, and he also, I, I think if you they are going to play this 4-3-3, it is far more suited to bring Sapong into that than Christian Ramirez. I totally recognize that. If they had a number 10, you know, if they had uh, even Rubio Rubin or, or Kellen Rowe or anyone uh, underneath, then I think it would make a lot more sense. But Christian would have would have been completely invisible in the first half if he would have started in Sapong and the everything if he was the only difference. Um, in the I second mean, half, they they did change a little bit because Juan Agudelo a little bit more like Christian, and so but Juan I have no problem with Sapong being in there. Although long term, I'm not sure why he's there. Uh, Juan Agudelo is is again like Jossie, um, but without being kind of as bad. He just he hasn't stepped up from that promising young guy to deliver. He's never scored double digit goals, um, despite yeah. having Lee Win one of the and Kellen Rowe, you know, two two of the two amazing playmakers uh, right right around him. He's just been okay. I, I mean, most of his goals actually came from that uh, Minnesota Minnesota blowout. Yeah. So, well, I think uh, he has scored twenty. He has had twenty-seven caps with the United States. Scored three times. One like like that is not. 
give someone else a chance, you know? Yeah. I, I'm fine with Sapong, but the other but the thing you have to mention about Sapong is that this is the first year that he has scored double digit goals in MLS. He scored sixteen goals this year, and three of them were penalties. Yeah. And I don't I, I hate ever counting penalties with a player's total goals. I mean, I mean and, and you or I have no idea what happened at the training they did. We don't know if Christian looked horrible and these other guys looked great. I, you know, that we don't know. But what I do know is that over the course of a long MLS season, Christian Ramirez scored more goals from open play than any of these other guys. And actually, any, than, than any of these other guys have ever scored. Yeah. Except for Jossie's artist. Is the only one of those players who's who has in a season scored more goals than Christian Ramirez did last year from open play, and that was when he was surrounded by at that time the best attacking talent ever assembled on an MLS team. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um I mean, it's pretty. Infuri- we could talk this to death, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and the game uh, was um, nihilistically bad. Um, I don't know. I mean. Uh, Christian Ramirez not being in there is is kind of uh, infuriating for me. Obviously, I was kind of you you and I both were just lighting Twitter on fire. Um, Jason Davis uh, from uh, SiriusXM kind of made a joke that Sarakin had had uh, radicalized uh, Minnesota, but I mean we're used to this. Uh, but it's just like just give the dude a freaking chance, just. To see what see what happens. Like I don't know if he would have been good. I want to see. Like, uh, it's 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 stupid. It's just a, and it's just it is totally about uh, the complete undervaluing and dismissal and arrogance about U.S. soccer and MLS. And uh, you know, as as uh, ex ex Aguilar uh, Barrera says on Twitter, how many goals in NASL equals one goal in MLS? How many goals in NASL equals one in USL? And does that calculation change if US soccer gives it D2 status or D3 status? I mean, it's a joke, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think so, it's that far uh, off. I, I still want to say talk about this. Uh, one more thing, which is that the, the, the omission of Christian is frustrating to us personally, but it was not just frustrating us. It was. It was. I saw a lot of frustration from fans of all different teams, and I. I think the reason is is because it's symptomatic. And you can say the same thing about Justin Glad yep. not making the final roster because Walker Zimmerman did not have a good game, and we had a sub left. And Justin Glad is better than Walker Zimmerman. Anyway, you have these players, and Zardes and Agadello are like two of the top candidates who are getting call ups. Not because of what they have done recently, but because they are sort of in the system. Mm-hmm. They got they were really good once, and they got a call up. They they got into the sort of pipeline, and now forevermore they will just sort of periodically get call ups. You know, whenever yep. whoever is picking the call ups just sort of uh, you know can't figure out who else to call, and it's just like it is it is this comfort zone that we have to get out of. It, it, these call-ups should be something that players are constantly earning. You should always have to be earning your call-ups. Once you have earned one, you don't get admitted to the club and get, you know, sort of a ticket for the rest of your life. It, it needs to be something where if a player is in a bad run of form, if they have fallen off at their club level, they're not getting called in. 
that's just, it, it has to be that way. Yeah. It has to be that way. Yep. And, and, and this, like the, the, these guys starting over Christian or whoever else, Justin Glad, Marky Delgado, I mean, so on, just the, the U.S. soccer constantly goes back to what it knows, to where it feels safe. It is not willing to take risks. Yeah. I'm talking in circles, but yep. it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Let's, um, let's, uh, calm ourselves down, take a break and come back and then get amped up over uh, Minnesota United. How's that sound? Yep. Back on the 55 one podcast. I am Wes. Alex is on the phone. Uh, thank you for all, uh, joining us. Uh, we are now here to talk about Minnesota United, uh, little bits of news. There's going to be the kit reveal on February 12th at the mall of America. Um, uh, I think that people are like secretly expecting a wing. There's not going to be a wing. Um, uh, I've Breaking only, news. I've only briefly, uh, heard it, uh, through third hand from someone who has seen it and they said it was, cool so i uh, i don't know i think that i think that we should we should be expecting that they've had more time you know last year there was so little time to design this should be cool cooler um i think you know we had to deal with what they could deal with last put out last year and i'm i'm, I'm i have good expectations or not not necessarily high expectations but raised from last year um the wing, the wing was great, but the key thing about the wing for me was not necessarily the wing itself, but the colors were perfect. Yeah. That sort of, they had, they had like two tones, like a medium gray and a dark gray. Yeah. And I think that that is the ideal and every Minnesota home kit should always have those two tones of gray. Yeah. Um, the, so there's just like random little bits of, there's no news, right? We have no news, uh, other than, uh, training camp started. <laughs> People are kicking the ball around. Uh, according to some tweets that you'll read, it's the greatest preseason of all time. Uh, there's the other Cameroonian has not been announced. That's still being in the works. I I think the 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 impression I'm getting over the two Cameroonians is that these are cheap pickups who could be good pick. Like they're they're kind of. Still like collecting these guys who, and I said this previously when I was guessing that this was the case, uh, that Pango was, was this kind of guy who, um, you know, they can bring him in for cheap. He might be pretty great and they can see if he's going to be someone who's going to work out. They can give a trial run. They're still working toward that type of roster that will be ready for 2019. Um, so, you know, t temper expectations. <laughs> um, and as I, I said on the previous podcast... What? Soft open. Soft open. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, I, you know, as as I said on uh, previous podcasts, you know, um, there is like, I do talk to people around the league who talk to other people and who talk to the team, and 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 it there is kind of this expectation that like, don't get your hopes up, guys, uh, about your team this year, um, but. At the same time, I talked to, I, you know, recently was talking to someone, uh, and 
and got this is where I kind of where this Nicholas Bendetti news that that we'll talk about now. Nicholas Bendetti, this this twenty year old number ten from Deportivo Cali, uh, who it comes out that Minnesota United are interested in, and I know that there are legit targets who there's you know that that money will be spent uh, if if one of these targets can be. Uh, gotten and 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 thinking about and so that did kind of get my hopes up a little bit. We'll talk about um Benedetti in a second, but it did get my hopes up a little bit. Like okay, you know, like uh, th- there is a chance that the team will will show this kind of little bit of ambition, uh, you know, breathe some life before this season happens. Uh, but uh, I do think I will only that will only matter if they actually get someone for this season. Uh, I mean, it's nice to see them throwing money around, but or or protect or think or, about throwing money around. But it only matters if they get <laughs> yeah. their guy. Like, you know, lots of yeah. teams target lots of players and they don't work out, but one of them does. Well, so number one, I think we said it last week, but I think Minnesota's roster, players one through fifteen, is pretty equivalent to players four through eighteen like a good MLS team. The difference are we don't, the difference is we don't have those difference makers. We don't have those DPs. We don't have those players who are really a cut above sort of the average level of the league. And I don't know anything about this guy, but yeah. I mean, if, if he's in any way close to what we offered for him, then he is, is that kind of player. And, you know, we are sort of desensitized to this new, MLS, you know, these big transfer bits going around, but I'm pretty sure that I think a $5 million offer is more than virtually any other team in the league besides the usual suspects, the Atlantas and Torontos and New York Cities and so on are, are paying for players. I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think if, sporting you know, Hoover, has done, has done a move if, like that. I think sportings have been one to two million type things. Um, right. I mean, re- yeah. it, it was not too long ago when Portland was making real big waves and people were like, oh, man, Portland spending five million on, on you know, Milano or, or uh, Blanco. And neither of those two guys have, have panned out very well. But, you know, they I think I think that the, their transfer fees were in that zone and people were really, you know, it was sort of an indication that Portland would be big spenders. So, so I think that that's sort of an just to sort of just an example. I mean, if that move had, had happened, I kind of think Minnesota very quickly shed their, their um, reputation as being like super duper cheap. Um, yeah. And, and not a lot of teams are doing that. And so we should say that this offer was four to 5 million or so for 60% of his rights. Basically what that would do is like, then uh, if he is sold on, uh, you know, if, if he gets sold to a European club, then a big chunk of a transfer fee would then still go to Deportivo Cali. Uh, it doesn't look like it's happening. Uh, he, Cali seems to think that he can develop better there. And that um, I think that there's a legit question is, is this actually a pathway to Europe? And I think if Almiron gets, gets sold, uh, then that would, that would actually change uh, the, the kind of uh, ability to get players like this. Um, so, you know, for once we're hoping 
Atlanta does a good deal. I, I, uh, I don't know. Um, there's other guys out there who I know are targets. I don't know any of their names. I'm, uh, you know, but I know that there are players out there. We still need, uh, we still need a, a replacement for Cronin. Um, you know, I, I don't know. He had so many concussion problems at the end of last season that, uh, I, I kind of fear for that gentle skull of his. Um, so there are players who needed, and I think that if they, uh, make a signing there in those two spots, um, it it will change things quite a bit. And that, that brings us to, to Lee Wynn, right? Which is, uh, I I forget it's been a week and a half since we recorded, but, um, the Lee Wynn story is that, uh, basically, um, uh, number 10, I think one of the best number 10s in the league, you know, one of the best chance creators over several years on a really crappy team, uh, is wants out. He, you know, he and Friedel had a falling out and, uh, he wants to go, but the problem is the team and Friedel are, uh, being, uh, you know, pissy about it and don't want to let him leave and they're holding him hostage. And, um, who knows? I mean, it looks terrible for new England, uh, Looks bad for Lee Wynn because he's not showing up to preseason. It, it's just kind of a bad situation, and it doesn't make sense for for New England to keep holding on to him. Uh, they're just devaluing him. He's worth a lot now, even as a thirty one year old. But um, I have this. I just have this um, imagination of of uh, of Manny Lagos doing like pulling a, a, a Liam Neeson um, from Taken and just doing. If you're looking for a ransom. I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills that I have acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let Lee Wynn go, that'll be the end of it. Oh, not bad. Thank you. I, that was, I didn't, didn't even practice it. I, I wrote that, I, I scribbled it down right before we, we came on. I, I, I don't know. Lee Wynn, I think... Of the Sasha, Benny, Lee wins, you know, those three players were all available this offseason. Lee Wynn, uh, slightly younger. Um, the other two were on their last year of contract. Uh, Lee Wynn also has been, you know, he, he's been doing his stuff with uh, just, you know, Agadello and Bunbury around him, not Molino and Ramirez. So... I, I don't know. I, I, I feel way more excited about Win than I did. And I love Sasha. Yeah. I, I think question is the better of those three and Win is better than fail Harbor. So, but he, either way he is a, he would be a really good get. The problem is, is that new England have sort of very publicly staked out their position and, and Win has pretty publicly staked out his position. And now neither side really, well, you know, there there are disincentives for both sides to blink. I mean, this is this is regardless of how it works. How stupid is this by New England? I mean, this is a, a well, someone called it on Reddit a no win situation. Uh, it's just what they're going. You know, if they get win back, they're going to get him at like seventy percent. He won't care. You know. If they trade him, they've already brought down his value because if they if they put him out on the market, teams will know that they're desperate to get rid of him. It's just it's just dumb. I mean, what if uh, 
And no, no one comes out looking good in there. Nobody. So, so what if um, uh, Revolution wanted Molino? Would you do it? Trade for win? Yeah. Yeah, I'd make that trade. But if they're paying us I, I as would, well. Yeah, I would probably want a little something more because of the difference in ages. Yeah. I don't know if that would happen. But maybe maybe they want Ibarra. Um, I yeah, know, I, I don't know if, if Tom Sohn, Minnesotan Tom Sohn is still on the, uh, uh, <clears throat> an assistant coach or, or direct, I, I don't know what role he still has with the revolution, but, um, I, I very much imagine that, uh, Manny is, if, if Tom is still on there, Manny is texting him regularly. So, um, I'd ask about it, but I'm also not sure if that's something we should be pinning our hopes on or, or getting too deeply involved in it. I'm not. I, and I, as I've said many times yeah. recently on the podcast, I am no longer chasing these stories uh, for my sanity and just because it's stupid. Uh, so, so now I, now I kind of just, you know, if things show up in, uh, in, in my inbox, then that's yeah. the only time I go after it. Um, so, uh, f- Anything else with Minnesota at this point? We, we we kind of covered the the basics of the the nothing happening. Um, there is a there's a, uh, a scrimmage against Florida International this weekend. These these kind of really early scrimmages. I know that people want to watch them, uh, but you know it's kind of better for the team to just do this stuff and us not watch. <laughs> I think it only Here's what makes, I'll say. Yeah, people should go to the. Um... Red, Red New York Red Bulls YouTube channel and watch the highlights of their scrimmage against uh, South Florida University mm-hmm. because A, Ishjom gets an assist and B, the first goal that the Red Bulls score is just a, a stunning touch by Bradley Wright Phillips on a ball that is sort of, he's running sort of, the ball is sort of coming from directly behind him and he just sort of lets it slip under his leg and then kind of controls it with his sort of knee uh, and lower part of his leg. And it's just beautiful. It just lets the ball sort of go forward and it beats the keeper. So go watch that. On that, let's take a break. We've got lots of Twitter questions after the music. Right, it's Twitter time. Alex, are you ready? Have you prepared yourself? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, you can always send us Twitter questions, uh, you know, with the hashtag five five one pod, um, or send uh, email to Westberdine at fifty five one. I had put out uh, on a um, patron only uh, podcast where I, I, I kind of talked to Christian Ramirez about his call up. I um I put out a call to kind of get feedback from uh people. What do you want to hear on the podcast? Uh what do you want to hear less of, more of? Um now that I'm kind of focusing my energies just on podcast stuff, uh I I, I kinda of wanna hear that. And I got a great uh email from uh this um, a patron, uh Jeremiah who lives in St. Paul. He also uh at another point gave me uh, explained some of the caucus rules since our Minnesota caucuses are coming up next week. So thanks, Jeremiah. Um, but it was great to get feedback. And he like uh, remembered, he was like, oh, these guests should come back on again. And they were like, they had been on on like the third show. It was like 
Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so uh, that stuff is super helpful. Um, and he had kind of like, hey, this this kind of stuff I don't hear about, and I want to hear more about. So that's uh, that's great. Please send that kind of stuff in. Uh, it, it makes me uh, happy. Um, let's uh, let's go to these questions. The first from Tom Berdahl. Uh What is U.S. soccer smoking, Alex? I don't. I don't know, but I don't want any of it. Hmm. I, I'm. I'm imagining just basically taking that hundred million dollars of profit, rolling it up, and just it's a just a dank, dank hit. So, hundred fifty million. Hundred fifty million. Well, it's a hundred million now because they smoked fifty of it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Ian Wilsey uh, says, "Why does my heart get broken over th- most things loonsfootball.com dot com related? I'm lovesick." Yeah, I agree with that diagnosis. Yep, <laughs> we're we're this is we're here for you. I mean, I I wrote an article that that came out on Monday, so today when we're recording this, basically saying my perspective on the preseason, the perspective I'm adopting, I am reverting to a blank slate. I am I am not judging anything until I see it again. If I, you know, if if Adrian Heath trots out Kevin Molino as a number 10 and uh, you know, Johan Venegas gets on a plane and flies back and joins the camp. I'm not judging it until I see it again. So good. I would just not, not put your expectations to the side and come at the club and come at this preseason with a totally fresh perspective. That is healthy. Uh, I think, uh, I think especially after I think toward the end of the season, Felt there was a lot of frustration going on. So have a nice uh, off-season sorbet, and uh, and here you go, just a fresh palate. Um, I I actually haven't read the that article yet. I've been kind of catching up on my life. Uh, I I did. That does make me think. Like Matt Pravatsky has a couple things coming up this week <clears throat> on the website. He had something last week on uh, on basically college recruitment for women's soccer, and then he has an NWSL piece. Uh, I think from talking to the players union coming out this week. Uh, and that also then reminds me, we did not uh, mention that the Boston breakers have officially folded uh, from the M- yeah. NWSL. Um, the only NWSL team I've seen play uh, uh, live. Um, it's, I, I don't know what to say about it other than I'm bummed. So it's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, when, when I interviewed Cassie Coleman before uh, the holidays, she uh, you know, said on the podcast that she was kind of uh, now out of contract with Spirit. And uh, I, I imagine this makes it even more difficult for her to find a new club if, uh, if there's just suddenly a glut of players on the market. So, yeah. Um, you know, NWSL is sort of, a little bit like the, the, the WNBA in some ways. It, it is the most successful teams in its sort of path in the future, or at least in the near term, appear, appear to be really linking itself with the, the, um, the larger men's league mm-hmm. in the sport. Um, you know, the Thorns are obviously very successful. The, the RSL just... just um, yeah, Orlando, the Orlando Royal, Pride. Orlando Pride, Houston Dash... You know, and it's good to see that. It's good to see successful teams, right? At the same time, you you are losing something. You're losing something when these teams sort of lose their independence a little bit. And 
It's, it's, it's frustrating that, that life seems to be so difficult for these independent teams. We should also mention North, North Carolina Courage as well, which are attached to the, um, yeah. to the former Railhawks, to yeah. the and NCSC. Yeah. Um, so uh, from J- Jeremiah, who had sent me that email, he, he said, um, if a manager is replaced uh, four years into a six-year contract, by what criteria should we judge the new managers for a season? And by that, I mean, I, th- I assume he means the, the second managers now. The score after the first game, commitment to international players, the tactics and response, etc. Um, what? So basically, the, the question is, uh, how long do you give a second person to adjust and do do their uh, kind of put their own stamp on it and get results? Or I don't know. Do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I think that you have to give new managers a transfer window at the least. Um, you know, I think that every manager has a different way of playing. Every manager likes different types of players. Every manager knows how to get the most out of players X, Y, and Z. And I think that a transfer window in which a, in which a manager really has the opportunity to sort of get the guys they want is really that after that, you can really start judging, but it always depends. I mean, if, 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 if you see progress, you know, even if results aren't there, if you see progress, if the, if the team starts playing better, if it, you know, if, if the players are happier, there are a lot of ways to well, judge a manager. I, I think, you know, you can look at Orlando, for for example. Jason Christ now has had a season yeah. and a half. Um, it, it isn't until this offseason. They're making, they just picked up Justin Miram uh, today. Um, you know, and Don it Dwyer. looks like they're getting Uri Rossell as well. Oh, did I did not see that. Wow. Um, yeah. uh, you know, he is now now finally putting his stamp and you can see what kind of team he's creating. And, you know, if, if he succeeds, his team could be very good this year. Um, if he succeeds, then, you know, I I think that if he's getting results, if he's not getting results halfway through the season, I think the, that Orlando should, could legit, uh, can him, you know? Um, well, in the same thing, Orlando was sort of a, Sorry, Orlando's sort of a special case because Christ did have uh, a year and a half in which he did not do particularly well. He certainly did no better than Adrian Heath. But now, this offseason, Orlando sort of threw off the yoke of that Kaká contract. And now they're just swimming in money to get all of these. They're kind of doing what Minnesota sort of wanted to do. They're, they're getting all of these sort of TAM-level players. You know, you're, you're getting Miriam and, and, and Question and Russell and, and, and Dwyer. And, and, and that is really, you know, now once he's, once he got that massive cap hit for Kaká and all that money that the ownership was spending on Kaká, now, uh, Orlando had the ability to go out and, and really fulfill the vision that Christ has. Yeah. So um, WB4 says, uh, thoughts on the best way for supporters to prep for the season? I'm leaning toward a beep test-inspired drinking game. That sounds really good to me. I, I would encourage uh, I would encourage him to, to keep us posted on that. Because uh, well, keep us posted on the development of this. Because this seems like it could potentially be really dangerous, um, but also really fun. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would say like the... the 
point of a beep test is to show endurance and uh you know the point of a season is to show endurance you don't want to burn yourself out early especially or even at a game uh lots of rookie mistakes of uh you know showing up to the uh to the stadium uh already way too primed so uh ml blazing says uh any update on a possible usl reserve squad or affiliations absolutely none uh <laughs> Manny uh, made allusions, as as we kind of reported, um, to uh, to the fact that there would be some sort of affiliation, but um, getting anything uh, concrete out of Manny is is uh, it's just a impossible task. So, um, so then final question. This is also from W. Well, no, actually, we got a couple here. I'm sorry. Um, WB4 also says, drove by the stadium site today, looking forward to the game experience, but what will the pre- and post-match game experience be like in, in the Midway area? Um, it's early. 2019 is a long way off. I would say between now, there's nothing now. It's terrible. But between now and then, there will be there will be a, a different landscape, I think. So uh, stay tuned. Um Sean Goldman. That is, you are that is, you are a terrible ambassador for your neighborhood. It's bad neighborhood. It's. it's uh, I, mean, I don't know. In terms there of, there may not be like you're thinking of like bars and stuff, but there is a lot of really really good uh, Southeast Asian cuisine. You're not going to go get Fasica. I mean, Fasica fits like thirty people. I mean, you could get great food, there's, but there's it's no good. reason to not go to Fasica. Just if you're in the neighborhood, you should always go to Fasica. Okay, you will not get a table. You should go, yes. Fasica is amazing. Ons Thai is great. Uh, non Bistro is like two more, three more um, light rail stops away. You can get cocktails there. Uh, yes. Well, But right now, immediately in there, no. It, unless Turf Club starts actually opening and becomes a bar again. Uh, it's just a venue now. So... Sean Goldman says, looking at the success of Atlanta, hype surrounding LAFC, and competitive expansion process today, is it safe to assume that Minnesota United, if bidding today, would not be given a franchise? They'd be in the same predicament Sacramento finds itself in, for sure thing to long from sure thing to long shot. Do what, what do you think about that? No, no, I don't agree. I mean, Minnesota United had an ownership group that had the the requisite wealth. And I, I think, again, uh, I mean, I, I think that the sort of, they're, build, they're building their own stadium. I mean, MLS wants stadiums like Minnesota United Stadium. They don't want stadiums like U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, and I think that, I, 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 I believe that Minnesota would have, there are a lot of facts, there are a lot of ways to answer this question. Minnesota is the 16th largest a metropolitan area in the United States. It's the fifth wealthiest metropolitan area in the United States. It has a massive uh, corporate base for sponsorships. I mean, like every Chicago Fire jersey sponsor in their history has been from from Minnesota. I, I there is there is a, a pretty there are a million reasons why Minnesota got the expansion team and. I don't think that there's any doubt that Minnesota was 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 going to be as part of MLS expansion. Yeah, I think um, if the timing was different, I, I think there are many things MLS wants to want would take a mulligan on for this expansion, and, and maybe the the team would as well. But 
uh, yeah, they, they wanted to be in Minnesota. Uh, the same thing, same way that they wanted to be in Atlanta, they wanted to be in Miami, they want to be in Detroit. Uh, they those are cities they want to be in, and they just need to find a way to make it work. They found a made a way to make. I don't it think. Work. I don't think. I don't think people totally understand, but Minneapolis-St. Paul has over a million more people than the Sacramento metro area, and the Sacramento metro area does not have a single Fortune one thousand company headquartered there. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it, it, from a business standpoint, Minneapolis St. Paul makes 10 times the sense that Sacramento does. So and that's not against Sacramento. I'd love to see them in the league, but Minnesota was always going to be part of this league. Yeah. The, uh, the final question here is from, uh, Rambling Robert, which is, uh, to you know, Kyle Martino was in with the American Outlaws yesterday uh, at the game, and he says, "Should we dislike Martino for his seemingly cynical move, hanging out with American Outlaws to make himself more fan friendly, uh, or like him for at least trying?" Unlike Winalda, who was at the match but avoided interacting with fans. Um, I, I mean, I've already said I don't. I could not find a way to care less about. Uh, the the yeah. presidency, I, but I have no idea what to think about this. I don't care, I really at all. I have no idea in what context this occurred. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Okay, all right, all right. There you go, Robert. The we don't, don't care vote, about your question. We yeah, don't vote, but it got him in front of media to 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 look. I don't. You know, hey, he Did wanted it? to be. I don't know. The... I didn't see anyone talking about it. So well, we're talking about it right now. Actually, Robert works well, for Kyle Martino. Or he works for Winalda. I can't tell. <laughs> Shills for somebody. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Alex. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please uh, um, uh, give us feedback, uh, you know, and uh, support us on Patreon, please. That helps quite a bit. Uh, and, um, yeah, okay. We'll see you next week. Bye.